Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. This is maybe the number one topic I hear when somebody's working out. Yep. What is it? It's how much protein do I need? Exactly. <laughs> I get this question frequently. Right. I want to pull, I want to build muscle. So how much protein do I need? Right. So we're going to answer those questions tonight. Yep. We're going to start talking about protein in food. And then we're going to move on to some protein and supplements. And we're going to answer some listener questions that we had about supplements such as whey protein and collagen. So stay tuned. So as I mentioned in the opening, protein maybe is... You know, we we go through periods of time in nutrition where certain nutrients get more pressed than others, Mm -hmm. and maybe fat is getting its time in the spotlight with keto. Yeah, and in the '90s it was carbs. You know, um, yeah. But I think the number one question I get is about protein and physical activity. Yes. Do you need to be focusing on protein? If you are trying to work out, get stronger, build muscle, lose fat, or whatever your goal for your workout is. And I think as dietitians, our inclination, because most studies are telling us too, that people are getting plenty of protein in their diet. Right. But I'm not sure I completely feel like that's always the case either. Right. I mean, it it depends. You have to think about, right, the, the activity level that you're trying to support. Right. If you're a fairly sedentary person, you probably don't need a huge amount of protein. I mean, you want to eat enough protein with meals and snacks to stay satisfied and right. and those types of things. It's good for weight management in yes. terms of that satiety or that mm-hmm. fullness factor. But in terms of, it seems like we get into the gym or we get into the, you mindset. know, right, that mindset of, of lifting or crossfitting yeah. or whatever people are doing. Protein becomes the focus. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's some value to that. Yep. There is. I mean... But we also don't want to overvalue it. We also don't want to push it too much. So, yes. So, protein is an interesting nutrient for the body. So, it does some really great things for us. It Uh builds and repairs our muscles. Um, Particularly if you are lifting, protein is going to help rebuild some of that muscle that you're kind of, you know, tearing down and building back up. Protein's a big part of that. It does a lot of other functions in the body. It's going to help with tissue repair and and those types of things. It's also really important to note that protein does not have to come from animal products. Right. I think when people think traditionally about protein, what do they think about? Beef, chicken, and pork, and maybe seafood if we're lucky. Right. <laughs> but there are plenty of plant sources of protein. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about the differences between animal sources and plant sources. But there are plenty of proteins to be found in plant sources. Right. And you, we eat proteins, and the basic building block of a protein is an amino acid. And so there's amino acids that we need, right? Right. So... There are 20 amino acids, mm-hmm. and nine of them are essential. And when you hear that word essential, it means they're not more important. Because right. I feel like essential <laughs> like should be that they're more important, but right. that means you have to get them from your diet. Right. You can't get them. Like, your body can make the other 11. Right. So if it had all the components, 
it can actually make a lot of these amino acids are set. We can make them ourselves. So if it's trying to do something right. that requires a protein, and that can be all kinds of functions in the body right. or building muscle. Right. If it doesn't have those essential amino acids, it's kind of up a creek. Right. But if it the if it's looking for one of those other ones, the body can actually make those. Right. Which is kind of cool. So animal products are going to contain all of the essential amino acids. Right. If you are choosing not to eat animal products, if you're a vegan or a very strict vegetarian, Mm -hmm. not consuming eggs or dairy, you're going to need to make, maybe make more of an effort to get protein from various plant sources. Right. So you can't just eat beans and hope that you're going to pick up all of your essential amino acids there. You're just not. Right. Um, So you have to eat beans and nuts and whole grains. And if you do that. Right. You can get a wide variety mm-hmm. of essential amino acids. I was aware of that great combination of beans and corn. Right. right. Yep. I think if between the beans and the corn, you've got your whole, all the essential amino, or all the amino acids that the body needs. Right. So one of the biggest questions I get is how much protein do I need? And so I think people will be surprised when they hear that protein levels are not quite as high as you might expect, although they are going to be higher for people who are active Mm -hmm. than for people who are sedentary. Right. So the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics puts out a position statement on lots of things. Mm -hmm. And from their position statement in 2016, they recommended uh, 1.2 to 2 grams per kilograms. Now, Remember how to put your weight into kilograms. Right. Take your weight and divide it by 2.2. And then it's 1.2 to 2 grams per kilogram. So, for example, if you're a 175-pound person, this translates to somewhere between 95 and 160 grams per day. Right. That's a lot of variability. Right. And I'd say that that's for the people who are working out. Right. Because... As dietitians, we learn like 0.8 to 1.2. Right. So if you have kidney disease too, like there are other instances where you might not need that much protein. Right. But if you are working out and you're a pretty active person. Right. That's what we're looking at is 1.2 to 2.0. Right. And if you have athletic goals to compete in CrossFit or right. run a marathon or <laughs> something like that, you want to make sure you're taking in plenty of protein. Another source that I found, Nancy Clark, is probably the most famous sports dietitian ever. Yeah. I got to meet her once. It was like meeting a celebrity. I can't believe you got to meet her. Oh, my gosh. I would would be starstruck. I I, I kind (laughs) of just didn't want to sound stupid. but Right. Yeah. She was really cool. So she's put out several um, versions of her book called The Sports Nutrition Guidebook. Yeah. I think it's in its sixth printing, maybe. Yeah. I think I have the sixth edition on my shelf. In her research, she cites that 0.7 grams per pound or 1.6 grams per kilogram, and we'll put this in the show notes in case you aren't taking notes, (laughs) is associated with the greatest gains in muscle mass. So for somebody who weighs 175 pounds, this translates to about a little over 120 grams per day. So again, this is not... 400 grams of protein that is unnecessary and frankly wasting money right yes particularly if you are as she you know she said in one of her books i just remember clearly piling four chicken breasts on your plate yeah is not an effective (laughs) 
way to put on muscle. Right. Because you don't need that much protein to put on muscle. Right. And at the same time, the body doesn't do well if you eat that much protein at one time. And I don't think I could eat that much protein right. at one time. But when we, get into, when we get into supplements later on, people can theoretically, if they're True. taking it in the form of a shake, yeah, they can right. really down it's, the protein grams. Yes. It's a little different if you're chewing chicken. Yeah. Right. You're right. You're right. right. That is... Yeah, I have a lot of clients who have done the supplements into a smoothie. Right. And yeah, that's easy to drink down. Right. Mm-hmm. So her recommendation and other recommendations that are, are pretty well respected, talking about four to five separate doses of protein. And when I mean dose, I mean meal or snack. Uh-huh. Yep. So it's not like a medication, but a meal <laughs> or snack. Greater than 40 grams of protein at a time is, is unlikely to build you any more muscle than eating 15 to 25 grams. Right. So if you're trying to get in 123 grams of protein a day, if that's uh-huh. what your recommendation is for your weight, uh-huh. you can really do that by eating three meals at 25 grams and having some snacks right. at 15 grams and you can get there. Right. Because there's protein also, like we said, for your vegetarians, uh, you know, there's plenty of, pro- there's protein here and there in your whole grains. Right. There's protein in vegetables. Right. You know, there, that all adds up. Right. And it and goes it, pretty quickly. It does. You know, generally it's about seven grams per ounce is what we talk about. Yep. In terms of um, protein. Right. So if you have an ounce of chicken, mm-hmm. that's seven grams of protein. If you eat four ounces of chicken, that's 28, 28. grams of protein. Right. That's, that's enough. That's pretty much all you need at for a meal because right. you're also hopefully having something else to balance your plate out. Right. And you're getting a few more grams here and there. Right. There, You know, if you have a three egg omelet for breakfast, that's 21 grams. Right. Throw some cheese on that omelet or drink a glass of milk. Right. Guess what? You're at 28 grams. Right. Like that. Yep. It yeah. doesn't, people feel like they have to just eat a big plate full of protein right. or have protein filling half their plate instead of fruits and vegetables. Right. To build muscle. Right. And what happens is in the body, so I think we should talk about this because this is what's interesting to me too, is when you eat protein, your body will actually release enzymes to digest it into the specific amino acids. Right. Your body can't just, it just it doesn't take that protein across the barrier at whole. Right. So it'll break it down into the amino acids And then it reassembles it into whatever it feels it needs. Right. And if you are getting plenty of calories and you have excess protein and your body's like, okay, I'm done. I've got all the body functions done that I need to get done. Right. That could get stored as fat. Right. You can absolutely gain weight by eating too much protein. Right. I don't care if you're eating zero carbs. Uh-huh. You can gain weight if you're eating too much protein because it still has calories in it. It's not calorie-free food. It's not calorie-free food. That is one of the three nutrients that provides us with calories. Right. Okay. So the other thing is an important time for protein is after you work out. Yes. So generally, and when I talk to high school, high school athletes, we talk a lot about that that recovery meal. Yeah. If I've been a runner in the past, and mm-hmm. we talked about recovery. If you go through, if you've ever been in a race where they hand you food afterwards, right? They're not doing just doing that because you're hungry. They're doing right. that because they're that's what we do to recover. We eat right. something after we run to mm-hmm. recover. There is an uptick in that muscle protein synthesis for mm-hmm. at least a day after a single session of exercise. 
you want to make sure that you are having some protein after your workout. This doesn't mean though you should have only protein after right. you work out. Right. So because, because you need to put the carbs back into your muscles right. because to muscles, do that. right. Muscles, they store it as glycogen and you right. can deplete your glycogen 30 to 40% in a hard workout. Right. And if you don't put that back, Right. Your next workout's not going to be what you want it to right. be. The glycogen is your carbohydrate stores. Mm-hmm. And in order to do your workout, you're expending energy. Right. And your body's preferred sh- fuel source is carbohydrates. Yeah. Sorry. So, sorry, keto dieters. Your yeah. body's fuel. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. It is, it is carbohydrates. Right. So you need that balance of carbs and protein following a workout. Right. And ideally, I always tell my clients, I don't know about you in terms of timing, but within a couple hours. Right. At the least. I mean, I would say within an hour if it's you can do at it. It's best. Yeah. I mean, some people have sensitive stomachs after they work out and it's a little much to eat a meal. Right. But you don't need to. No. You know, you yeah. can do Just, a bagel with peanut butter or oatmeal with peanut butter if mm-hmm. it's in the morning or mm-hmm. yogurt and granola or cottage cheese and fruit or, right. you know, if you really have a sensitive stomach, a smoothie. Yeah. You know, made with some yogurt and mm-hmm. some fruit. I mean, say to, to people sometimes is chocolate milk, but I'm not talking about chocolate almond milk. I'm talking about chocolate milk milk. Right. Because it has enough protein. Because it has the protein and carb ratio right. to it. That is something to remember about these plant-based beverages. With the exception of soy milk, they're all very protein poor. Mm-hmm. So yeah. even oat milk and almond milk and coconut milk. And even if it comes from a nut and you would think, well, it has lots of protein in it. That's what surprised me about almond milk. Right. (laughs) These are very, and rice milk is ridiculously protein poor. It's not appropriate for children. So yeah, protein, you're going to find it in dairy milk and soy milk generally. So if you are a vegetarian or vegan, Mm -hmm. soy milk may be the preferred beverage over almond milk. That's what I recommend. Almond milk is so trendy. I know it is. Right, right. But it's, I mean, and it's great if you're trying to cut back on calories. Right. But when you're trying to replenish calories after a workout, a glass of almond milk isn't going to cut it. Exactly. So, okay. And then, of course, our requirements can fluctuate based on train status. You know, so if you're somebody who's in heavy training for a race mm-hmm. or if you're getting ready for a CrossFit competition, you may, you know, need more protein as mm-hmm. you're getting ready for that. If you, you know, I, I've seen stuff from like, and this is not going to apply to like athletes, normal athletes at the gym, but like, you know, kind of a hard day training plate, an easier day training plate mm-hmm. where there mm-hmm. might be more protein, more calories, yeah. more carbs sure. when you're training hard versus when you're maybe in your off season, whatever yeah. that might be. Yeah. You know, for sometimes for runners, it's in the winter. Uh-huh. We're not working out as hard as we might be in the summer, getting ready for fall races or whatever. Right. So yeah, I can see that you maybe need less at that point. Right. I do think it's interesting when an athlete is injured, you can increase your protein intake, but again, not more than two grams per kilogram. Okay. Yeah. Injuries, people don't realize, but that also increases your calorie needs as well as your protein needs. Right. But it never exceeds that 2.0 grams per kilogram. And the the question I get most probably from high school kids or, you know, uh, novice bodybuilders Uh is how can I put on muscle without gaining fat? Yes. And just like you said earlier, if it's from excessive calories, protein can be stored as fat, not muscle. Right. Right. 
I, that's one mistake I think I do see also. I see a lot of people make is they, they're just getting too many calories because they're really bulking up on the protein. Right. And so they end up, yeah, just ending up storing more fat, which is not what we're trying to do. Right. And you can see, you know, if you're not adding calories and you're only adding protein, you're also not going to get the gains that you want. Right. So they did a, there was a study in 2018 of weight trained athletes found that eating only more protein and not more calories over a six week period resulted in only a two and a half pound gain in muscle mass. And that's not very much. Okay. Yeah. That's going to disappoint a lot of athletes if yeah. they think it's only two and a half pounds of muscle mass. Right. Just by eating more protein and not by eating more calories. So okay. good advice is to add about if you're trying to build muscle uh, without gaining fat is to add about 350 to 500 calories a day. Uh-huh. And again, this is a very general recommendation. We're still doing more research on what would be mm-hmm. most appropriate. But this is also, again, where we want to emphasize it's not just protein. You do need plenty of carbohydrates if you are working out. Right. And I know that's a dirty word. I know right. it is. And I've seen research on keto athletes. I've seen research on keto runners, which I have zero idea how that works. Right. I don't know how that works. People I are like fat imagine. adapted and whatever. Like right. that, I guess, okay. Right. But I can't imagine that your training intensity could be the same. Mm-hmm. I've even seen stuff where they talk about fat adapting and runners, like where they might eat like really low carb right before a race and then right the night or two before the race, they start eating carbs again because guess what? Right. You need carbs <laughs> or you're not going to have a good race. That's a good training strategy. That's a thing. I, right I tell now. you, I think I would really love, I think we'll, in the future we will, I have a sports dietitian that I know that I would love to have on the podcast yeah. and we'll have her come on and talk to us a little bit more about this. But I can tell you from my experience, just working out with working with people who work out, right? the biggest mistake I see is they're just under eating calories too. Cause a lot of times they're working out because they want to lose weight. Yes. And so they're working on creating this calorie deficit And working out, hoping that it's going to help them, you know, tone up and define muscle. And you can't, it's hard to do both. Right. You have to do it very carefully. Right. You have to make sure that you're not creating too big of a deficit because as you were talking about, you just, you really need a little extra calories when you're trying to build muscle mass. Now, not all of us are when we're trying, but we, if we want to tone up, you actually can't create too big of a deficit either though. I think where people get in trouble because they, they assume that again, so I, I see two schools of thought on working out and weight loss. Mm-hmm. I see folks who are working out, trying to create a calorie deficit, under eating, having bad workouts and wondering why. Right. And then I have people that are working out and then going to Starbucks and getting a large muffin and a sweetened coffee. True. And wondering why they're gaining weight. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, again, yeah. that has to be a balance. Mm-hmm. Sometimes working out, especially, and this is gets into just your, like, physiological response to not even have calories. If you're working out in a calorie deficit, you are much likely, more more, more likely to go home and overeat. Right. Because you're so hungry. Right. Understandably. Right. Yeah. You make up for it, and then you have these periods of... 
eating too many calories, not enough. It's just back and forth and back and forth. And then I'm like, if the other thing is I tell a lot of my clients is if you're going to spend the time to be in the gym, fuel your workout properly right? so that you can see the benefits and have the energy that you need to get through the workout. Yeah. I see a lot. I, I actually think I see a lot more people doing the under eating, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And yeah. by the time they come and see me, then they're just, that's what's happening is right. their body's just storing everything as fat because they're not giving it enough calories and they're working out way too hard. Right. And they're fatigued and their workouts right. are not good. And no. they're wondering why they're struggling right. to get through their run. They feel miserable. Right. It's, yeah. it's no, it's not a good way to be. No, it's not. So now we've talked about food. Let's move on to some things that we see used. I mean, obviously, if you get more into, and that'd be great to have a sports dietitian on. Yeah. If you get more into like Olympic athletes or um, even like some like high school football players who take some wacky stuff. Yeah. You know, or college Mm -hmm. football players. But one thing that I tend to see a lot of is things like whey protein mm-hmm. and the new one is collagen yes. for joint health. For joint health. Yes. So, so you want to start with collagen? Let's or? start with collagen because okay. that was a listener question that was brought up several times. Yes. So what is collagen? Okay. So collagen is, is a type of protein that's a primary structure for our connective tissues. So, like cartilage, tendons, but also our skin. So you hear a lot, I hear a lot about collagen to make your, you know, for your skin health too, not just for our athletes. But there are at least 30 different types of collagen and they all have a unique amino acid composition and structure. But if you recall from what we were kind of talking about earlier with amino acids, the thing I just... For me, the first thing I thought of when I hear about a collagen supplement is, well, okay, but when your body digests the protein, it's breaking it down into the amino acids. So it's not like your body is absorbing collagen and directly using it for what that collagen is meant to do in the body. Right. The body will digest those amino acids and then reassemble them and again, it, it takes priority on what it thinks the body needs most. So right. You can't control that. You can't dictate that. Right. So anyway, that's, that's the interesting thing about collagen supplements. First of all, is keep in mind that, uh, you're consuming a bunch of amino acids, basically. Right. And you can't really dictate what's going to happen. We do know that collagen does account for one-third of the protein in the human body, which I thought was interesting. It's 75% of the skin's dry weight. And and then, yeah, 90% of it is found in the skin, tendons, ligaments, ornament, organs, sorry, teeth, and bone. And then type 2 collagen is found in cartilage and the cushions of our joints. And those are the types that the athletes are probably going towards for the supplements. Collagen in supplements generally is coming from cows, pigs, chicken, and fish. So stop right there. (laughs) So if I can get collagen from eating meat, yes, pork, yep, fish, Mm -hmm. do I need to take a collagen supplement? I'm thinking no. Right. But, I mean, how much, you know, like if you're getting that recommendation of 1.6 grams per kilogram, 
a protein, we should be having plenty of our amino acids that we need so our body can do what it needs to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, right. I mean, you can take it in a supplement form. You can, you know, and you can look at, you know, bioactive dipeptides, tripeptides, those types of things. But if you can, if you can get the same effect from food by eating yeah, the, the things that are making the collagen supplements, right, right. it may be unnecessary to right. take them in supplement form. Correct. However, so then you think, okay, well, if I'm vegan, the problem there is the supplements are all made from animal products. Right. So the good news is, like you just kind of demonstrated, is you really don't need to be consuming it from animal products, right? If we know we're consuming amino acids from a variety of foods mm -hmm. and our body is getting the adequate amount of protein that our body needs, mm -hmm. our body should be able to make plenty of collagen mm -hmm. and do what it needs to do with it. Right. And it doesn't have to come from an animal source. Now you talked a little bit about joint health and we'll get in that in a second. But mm -hmm. the other thing we hear a lot about is collagen and skin health. And I would say based on my reading, it is possible that there could be skin benefits to taking collagen, mm -hmm. but a lot of these studies are very preliminary and some of them are industry funded. Yeah. So keep that in mind. Now I'm not against industry funded studies. Right. I mean, right. somebody's got to pay for this stuff. Right. But keep that in mind when you are reading about collagen supplementation Many of these are done by people who make collagen supplements. Right. So there is some positive research. There was one ra small randomized double-blinded placebo-controlled trial. The best kind. The best kind. But it was for 50 amateur competitive athletes. Right. With chronic ankle instability. And those right. who received the daily collagen supplement for six months reported significant improvements in ankle function and significant decrease in ankle injuries mm -hmm. in a three-month follow-up. Uh, however, it's just there's a lack of significant research in this area, especially right. when you're talking about elite athletes, because obviously there's not as many of us out there that are elite athletes. Right. So anyway, it's a, it's something to keep an eye on. And, it, it, you know, who knows? Maybe it is beneficial because, you know, it, it, you just don't know. Like, I guess my question then in that study is, well, okay, so what, what was the person's diet like? And right. really, were they getting the protein that they needed to get? This right. was maybe insurance that ensured that they actually got what they needed. Right. And so if you're taking collagen as an insurance, which we've talked about, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I, th I think I, I read an analogy uh, that I really like. Collagen can be like the ketchup on the hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is a great analogy. Yes. Because if you have the ketchup, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's the collagen. and you're but But that's not making much of a meal. Right. You need to have the hamburger. You need to have the, the rest of the meal with it yeah. to make that collagen effective. Mm -hmm. Adding collagen to your coffee in the morning as a protein boost is not going to be that effective because it doesn't have all the amino acid that we need. It's not a complete protein like whey. Yeah. Mm. It's not necessarily something that's going to have a lot of benefit for you if you are deficient in protein in other areas of your diet. Right. Yes. So I guess the bottom line on collagen is, yeah, maybe there are some benefit to it if you have some joint pain, mm -hmm. but necessarily if you have a diet that is deficient in protein, 
And if you're not, if you just have the ketchup, you know, it's a good way to think about it. It's not a meal. Right. So you want to make sure that you're balancing those supplements out if you're choosing to take them. Absolutely. Like you said, the safety, they tend to be fairly safe. Right. Especially if you're looking at pure, you know, the purity of the supplement that you're purchasing. But uh, you do have to be careful because some collagen has been shown to have collagen powder has had some heavy metal contamination too. So you always want to make sure that your supplement has that seal from the, the NSF seal, the the USP seal, as well as the quality assurance. Yeah. So some sort of quality assurance that we've talked about in the past. The Um, other thing to remember is many studies with collagen are what we call in vitro studies. So in vitro studies is a fancy word for in the lab, yeah. <laughs> not in people, right? Um, not in and in animal studies. And, and mm-hmm. again, if you think back to our podcast on nutrition research, many things that occur in animals in medical research too, don't work out when we put them in humans. Right. I mean, we have animal models for different particular diseases. Right. And those type of things. It's a great place to start. Right. But, but in, you know, I, I think I read something that we've, <laughs> we've cured mouse Alzheimer's many times. Uh-huh. And, you know, you we can, just can't, right. We convert can't, it to people. Right. We can't, can, and hopefully right. we'll get there. We will get there, but, but yeah. yeah, it's not there. And so, yeah, we can cure it in mice, but we can't cure it in humans right. yet. So right. Something to remember. Sure. But let's talk more okay. about those protein supplements. So, yeah. So a lot of people, like you mentioned earlier, take that you know, like protein powders and things like that for supplements, for maximizing their muscle protein synthesis maybe, and protein powders and things like that. So again, I think you've kind of covered all of the like what's recommended in Mm -hmm. terms of protein. It's probably not necessary to take a protein powder and sometimes you can take too much. But I have had instances where for some people they want to do a smoothie. It's something quick. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to get some protein in in the morning. Maybe right. if you're somebody who is, you know, or, and of course every, it seems like a lot of gyms have smoothie bars attached, yeah. you know, uh-huh. that you can, after you work out, right. You can go spend $7, probably more on a, <laughs> on a beverage, right. you know, um, and keep in mind, not all those are going to be low in necessarily added sugars. Right. Um, but they're usually going to have a scoop of whey protein or two in them right. to give you extra protein. So let's talk about whey protein. Mm-hmm. So whey protein is a soluble protein, which they say does like it is digested faster by our bodies. They did see a benefit of when you compare consuming whey versus casein mm-hmm. following an exercise. Whey protein provided more significant initial surge of amino acids and triggered muscle protein synthesis in the early post-exercise period. So like within the first three hours. And then during a nine-month resistance training trial, untrained subjects who consumed 1 to 1.2 grams of whey protein per kilogram of body weight per day saw higher gains in lean body mass than soy protein or carbohydrate supplementation even. Right. So, so you can find 100% whey protein in powder form, and it can be added to shakes, beverages, and sports bars. And in addition, you can consume whey in lesser amounts than most supplements if you just ate dairy foods like cottage cheese and yogurt. Right. 
So again, you can choose if cottage cheese and yogurt's not your if your jam. jam. Right. You can totally do whey protein in your smoothie in the morning. Yeah. Do you need to spend the money on that? It's expensive. It is expensive. It is so expensive. Anytime you get into the supplement aisle, comparing that, I remember seeing a chart, and I think I will attach this in the show notes. I think maybe it was Nancy Clark who did this, where Mm -hmm. she talked about the cost of supplements such as whey protein when you compare them with other foods, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was lovely Bonshi. That's who did it. That oh, was the dietitian okay. from, from Pittsburgh. Yeah. And it was such a great chart, such a great illustration yeah. of, you know, cottage cheese versus a whey protein supplement and the dollars and cents that you spend on protein bars for uh-huh. after workout versus getting a sandwich. It's right. such a great chart. I'll yes. have to attach it. It's okay. wonderful. Great. So you don't need them, but in a case by case basis, we can talk about it. You right. Know? So another protein supplement that I found on the market is branch chain amino acids. I've heard of these. Yeah. So you might also hear it as leucine, isoleucine, and valine. Those are the branch chain amino acids. And what happens is these, the oxidation of these increases during exercise. So people feel like the need to supplement then because it's being specifically used and identified during workouts. So uh, they can be helpful after exercise to help preserve and support gains in lean body mass. So branch chain amino acid ingestion can increase leucine in the tissues and stimulate the MTOR pathway in muscles to stimulate protein synthesis. Uh, Basically, you know, it's basically helpful to increase protein synthesis following a workout. So you can take branched chain amino acids in powders. Correct. Shakes, and beverages, shakes beverage sports bars. Or capsule forms also, but or you could also get them in chicken, fish, and eggs, as well as beans, lentils, nuts, and soy. Right. So again, thinking about the costs. Exactly. Again, very specialized, very expensive. Exactly. And then if you're a true athlete, you also have to be careful because if you are not finding supplements that are safe, you could potentially put yourself at risk of being disqualified. Right. Because of some of the things that might have actually got, accidentally gotten into these supplements. You hear that a lot. I hear, hear about that. Yeah. Athletes, whether they're on the NCAA versus... Mm-hmm. On, on Olympic circuit where I was taking a dietary supplement that I didn't know had X in it. Right. Yeah. And, and people can be like, I didn't know I was going to get disqualified mm-hmm. because I thought my trainer gave me that and yeah. I thought it was safe. And remember, when we've talked about dietary supplements, particularly weight loss, bodybuilding supplements are some of the most adulterated mm-hmm. supplements on the market. Yeah. Some of them are adulterated with anabolic steroids. Yeah. Which right. will get you disqualified we'll- from, you know, in a, <laughs> an actual competition. Right. So just be super careful when you are choosing those types of supplements. You're never going to get disqualified for eating chicken. No. Or fish. Right. Or eggs. Right. And you can be very much at risk. Yeah. When you are consuming supplements that may be lax in testing. Right. So let's talk about creatine. I get this a lot. A lot of people ask about it. I hear this from high school athletes when I've talked to high school athletes. Again, when they wander into GNC or they mm-hmm. 
buy things off the internet, mm-hmm. creatine is one of those really popular supplements right. still. Yeah, because it's been it's science, it's been studied quite extensively. Right. And uh, it has been validated as an aerogenic aid for athletes. So the rationale for taking creatine is to boost the quality and volume of work performed during exercise. And so by energizing high intensity, short duration and exercise, power output can be enhanced theoretically, right? This theoretically can further your strength gains. Right. Now, creatine can be found in powders, beverages, and shakes. Yep. But you can also find it in animal products. Right. So, again, here's the beauty of food, right? <laughs> like, seriously. I know. This is the beauty of food. I so, know. I can get a chicken breast or I can get, right. you know, a piece of red meat or a pork mm-hmm. or whatever. And I can not only get my creatine. Right. I can get my protein. I can get my branched-chain amino acids exactly. and my essential amino acids, right. and I never have to set foot in a health food store. Right. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> food is awesome. Yes. And it's so much better. It's so much better. Yes, it is. It tastes better. And it's it, easier to and eat. It I don't costs, know. <laughs> I mean, I know grocery bills are high and, and meat's expensive, mm-hmm. but it's not as expensive as what's in these bottles. Right. It's just not. It's not. It's not. Okay. So, I love food. (laughs) I I think it's amazing. (laughs) I I agree. Okay. So, here's the interesting one of the new ones. Nitric oxide. Right. Which sounds like something I should be getting at the dentist, but it's not. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So, nitric oxide plays a role in delivering blood, oxygen, and nutrients to our exercising muscles. Well, to everywhere in our body, really. Right? Research has shown a great interest for many years in developing strategies that help increase nitrous oxide production and blood flow. So they have looked at beetroot extract. So you might have also heard of it as beetroot extract. And uh, this is a rich source of nitrates that are converted to nitric oxide in the body. Definitely, this is something new. We definitely need more research, more evidence-based research to see if it does help improve performance. Right. So I can't really comment a whole lot on it, but it's something that is emerging, and I thought it was interesting. So if you were working with somebody who's trying to build muscle or with a, a high school athlete or... You know, again, even somebody who's training for a CrossFit competition mm-hmm. or, you know, or even a race, you know, if they're wanting to approach that supplement aisle, what are some of the tips that you give them as a dietitian? If they're saying, but that's nice that you told me about food and food's awesome too, but I really want to go pick okay. out some supplements. So even how though, would you do that? Yes, we are first food, a uh, food first approach is always my preference. Right. So that being said, I guess I would I would say make sure that the label states that it's been tested for quality and safety. I know we say this a lot. Right. It has to have that, you know, informed choice logo, NSF International, mm-hmm. as well as I, I'm more familiar with USP. Mm-hmm. So that what's in the bottle is actually in the bottle. I always like to tell my clients too that, okay, the people that are And I'm sorry if you're working at a GNC, but, you know, I've walked into there before and I've been told by a person about the RDA and 
they were not they were misinformed right these are not dietitians they are not dietitians and they do not know what they're really speaking about i was told oh no you need as much of the rda as possible Mm -hmm. you know i was looking at a label and it had thousand percent of the rda Mm -hmm. and i was questioning it right and so anyway the thing is even though you might want to look for supplements you're not going to out train or out supplement a deficient eating pattern right so we also have to be looking at, are you feeding yourself properly right. too? Like, so you, Right. You can't, you can't, just like you can't take a vitamin pill right. to solve nutritional deficiencies. I mean, it can help if you right. have documented ones, mm-hmm. but you can't. You can't fix a bad diet with a bottle of pills, right. I guess, is the we best want, way to say it. We want the supplement to complement your diet, not take precedent over it, not be a substitute for it. Right. You also want to be realistic with the recommendations. Yes. Again, what is the athlete willing to spend on? What do they want to spend their right. money on? Can you gear them towards food and mm-hmm. away from supplements? Mm-hmm. And because again, everybody's on a budget. I mean, right. everybody, Yeah. you know, no matter how much money you make, you're, you're on a budget. Right. Unless and, you win the $1 million. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> didn't win it this week. I didn't. Um, but if you can, you know, Say, okay, you can, and maybe even show them a cost comparison. Yeah. Here's a tuna sandwich, and here's, you know, a, a, a supplement from GNC. Right. Going to give you the same stuff mm-hmm. for a fraction of the cost. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really helpful way to, to look at it. Yeah. Uh, and then making sure, you know, I'm, I have nothing against trainers. Mm-hmm. I think they do great work. They do things I could not do. <laughs> But it's it's important to making make sure you're getting your information from an accurate source. Mm-hmm. And I hate to say it, bodybuilding websites are scary places. Yeah, I've looked at some of them like, holy moly! If I was a high school kid, right, I would be like, I'll sign up for that supplement. I'll sign right. up for that supplement because right. they're very convincing. They are very convincing, and so. Keep in mind, if somebody's trying to sell something, do a little more research. Right. If, if you're going to that website and about yeah. bodybuilding yeah. and you can go to their shop page yeah. and buy some things from them, mm-hmm. they have a vested interest in you doing that. Mm-hmm. So to just be careful of that. And then, of course, make sure that your physician knows. Even right. if you, and, and make sure you're communicating. You say, my right. trainers put me on this. Right. Is this okay? Mm-hmm. And back and forth. If yeah. your physician is doing something. Your again, trainer should know. Right. We right. need to make sure that mm-hmm. everybody is working together. Exactly. Keeping exactly. secrets from healthcare professionals right. makes it harder for us to do our jobs. Absolutely. And then, again, of course, if you are in a... Uh, a competition setting where you are being drug tested right you know this is maybe not for listeners of this podcast necessarily but it could be that you are taking something that is appropriate for your governing body yeah again yeah. don't be that person who is suspended right. at the olympics <laughs> because you took something that you didn't know was unsafe yeah well hopefully we'll we'll have a dietitian come on maybe and talk a little more in depth with actual sports nutrition right and what their recommendations are in the future but we hope you've enjoyed this summary of supplements for 
your workouts. Yes. And, you know, if you have other questions about dietary supplements, if you want clarification, or if you want us to talk about a different supplement that we haven't talked about in this last three series, so this Mm -hmm. last three podcasts, again, if you've missed the previous two, go back and catch up (laughs) on us. You can, of course, email us at any time at dish at secretliferd.com. You can find us on Instagram at the Secret Life Dietitians, and you can find our website at secretliferd.com. And then you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.